Welcome to EO Audio, the East Oregonian podcast from way downtown. It's Wednesday, October 28th, 2015, and on today's episode, we are debuting a new podcast, Let It Rip. Pendleton residents and Trailblazers superfans Peter Walters and Sam Neal will talk about Oregon's only Big Four professional sports team and the outlook for the season. Welcome to Letter Rip, the East Oregonians Blazers podcast. We're your hosts, Peter Walters and Sam Neal. October 27th, Pete, and uh, tonight is the, the first night of the NBA season kickoff. Preseason's over. That's right. We got a new Blazer team. We're not the old marquee name of old, so we are not kicking off this season on opening night. But we do play tomorrow against the New Orleans Pelicans. What do you think about this Blazer team, Pete? Well... I know you're probably not going to see it on TNT very often. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. You said it, Sam. New expectations, new team, new everything. Sam Neal, what is the current state of the Blazers? Well, Pete, it's a it's a rebuilding team. I think we might have uh, jumped the curve on, you know, if you compare it to a Knicks rebuild where they had to cut so much salary. We basically let all that go to other teams in free agency this year. So we've beat that, and we've also brought in some fresh talent. But the starting lineup this year is going to be what takes us to the next level. We're looking at Dame at point guard. We're looking at a two-guard with CJ either coming off the bench or playing just more minutes. He's going to be playing starter minutes whether he's coming off the bench or not. Hopefully Aminu uh, can come back and play the small forward position relatively soon. I know he's dealing with some problems right now. And then down low, we've got Myers and Mason in our front court. How do you feel about this team, Pete? That starting lineup right there. Well, you know, I, I, I'm i liking the starting lineup, but you and I, I know, differ a little bit when it comes to our boy, Plum Dog Millionaire. Yes, we do. I think he's got, uh, you know, all the upside you'd want. He's got that USA basketball team mentality of, I just need to do my job and let everybody else work. And if that's, you know, catching pick and roll, lob dunks, and rebounding and playing solid defense, I'm fine with that. I see him as a really great future backup big. And really not that much more. But, Peter, he's already been that position with the Nets. He's already proven that he can come in and be your energy guy and be your, you know, come in and get you the rebounds and spell your starters. This is we're a rebuilding team. We've already established that. This is his opportunity personally to prove that he can be a starting center in this league. And what else do we have? We might as well throw him out there and see what we got with him. We've got two years left with him under contract. We got to make this guy an asset. What else do we have? That's a pretty good point. There is kind of a logjam up front when you think about it. Here are our bigs. We've got Myers Leonard, Mason Plumley, Noah Vonley. Ed Davis, and the ghost of Chris Kamen. Uh, yeah, I see where you're going with this. Oh, uh, also, also Cliff Alexander is in there as well. Yeah, he'll be riding the bench alongside uh, Connaughton. But <laughs> what we got is a logjam, you're right. And, you know, I would love to see what Vonley has. He's still so raw. And even in the preseason, in the summer leagues, you don't really get— He was grabbing lots of boards. Though. Yeah, you don't really get a feel for what he is, that, though, yet. You don't know if you can post him up on the block. You don't know if you can post up any blazer on the block, well, to tell you the truth. Already, he's starting to look—it's starting to look like our front court is shaking out into a matching game. Right now, we've got Myers and Mason 
who look like two guys that can play together. They bring a proper balance of offense and defense. Uh, they've they've got a lot of uh, offensive rebounding skills, but they also uh, kind of split time between being down low and Myers. You got a guy who can pull you pull the big out to the perimeter. Uh, yeah, and conceptually, you have the same shot. thing with Ed Davis and Von Ley. Hoping, exactly. in fact, that Von Ley has that offensive capability. And Ed Davis, we kind of know what he is at this point. He is your, he is your what you were talking about with Plumley. The guy that you bring off the bench has that energy, can spell your starters. What do you think, though? Do you think Ed Davis could assert Mason Plumley as the starter for this Blazers roster? I just don't see him as your prototypical center. So it'd be hard to start him, especially alongside Myers. I think uh, a weird thing they could do, and especially if you're looking at the uh, the team and the roster construction through a GM's eyes and looking at contracts, and you've got you know Myers is this is his last year. He either makes it or break it, and he's going to get paid after the season. So he's a seven footer. He's probably going to get paid one way or another. Totally. But if you're the Blazers and you want to keep him, if you're you're I and you're a fan and you want them him to stay on the team. You might want him to be an actual bench guy and bring him off the bench so that you don't inflate his salary cap number next year when you have to re-sign him. I think a smart play, especially if we think about it like as we were talking where you've got two guys in Myers and Vaughn Lay that might be your offensive guys, and in Plumlee and in Ed Davis you've got your defensive and rebounding guys. Maybe you start Vaughn Lay with Plumlee. What do you think about that? You know – I'm kind of interested in seeing what Vonley could do with starters minutes. His per 36 numbers have always looked pretty good. And especially if you look back at his summer league and his preseason numbers that he was putting up and especially draw those out to per 36, he looks really legit. Now, granted, of course, you got to take that with a giant margarita sized grain of salt because that is summer league and preseason. So it doesn't really mean that much but he's still a gifted player and you're talking about the state of the blazers we are talking about the state of the blazers i don't think we're exactly aspiring to win here what we need to do is develop these assets we already have on these teams i hear tank that's all i hear when you start saying that it's so hard not to think about it right (laughs) we want to win every game ladies and gentlemen we definitely do but is losing really that bad well Losing wouldn't be that bad if you get a draft pick in the way. However, if we fall out of the lottery this year, the Denver Nuggets get our draft pick. Whoa, Pete. It's a little early, don't you think, to be even worrying yeah. about that draft, kit, yeah. draft pick consideration. All right. Let's worry about what we have. And let's transition to scoring. Who's going to put the ball in for this Blazer team? We know Dame's going to get his. He's going to be getting the ball. I would project his usage rate at somewhere around 60 or 70 percent which is just crazy but it legitimately could be 90 percent if anybody gets hurt and especially if you consider that cj is going to be spelling him and having that like they're both just going to be having all the time with the ball so we've got two guys scoring the ball at the point guard position who else do you see coming in being that third option is there somebody on the starting lineup you see is there somebody on the wing Who's going to be scoring for the Blazers besides Dame and CJ? Well, it's tough. I've got two different ideas. One is whether or not Al Farouk Aminu has a career year. 
If or if he can shoot the ball, right? Because, I mean, he hasn't proven that he can, he can actually shoot the basketball. He can hit those corner threes, and as long as he can hit those, he's going to serve his purpose. But if he can start increasing his offensive prod- or production, I mean, the guy was really still playing a second fiddle role until he got wedged in a bad situation in Denver last year. But I look at him as a guy who has a shot to improve his offensive reputation in this league. Uh, the other guy, I guess, is Myers. Or maybe, if we're going to stick to the wing here for a second longer, maybe even Mo Harkless. Yeah, I like all three of those guys. I see Mo Harkless definitely as a dark horse candidate. I think he can come in. He's got all the tools. He's very raw. He might he turn shooting really well in preseason. He definitely might turn into something that, you know, we're hoping that all these players turn into something that they can actually prove to have some sort of skill that hasn't been, you know, the diamond in the rough. Uh, I see Myers. I like I like his shooting ability. I don't know if he's got the tenacity to be able to score at a high enough clip. You know, the the running floater that a seven-footer goes in and throws up a running floater, you don't see that a lot from guys in the NBA, right? (laughs) So I don't see him being a very consistent scorer. When his shot's falling, he'll be able to score. Besides that, I don't see it. Al Farouk, I actually like that. Um, He's a 3-and-D guy, maybe a very poor man's Kawhi Leonard. The guy can drive, too. He can get to the rim pretty well, but you might not see him get that chance as often. Uh, I guess one person that we've completely ignored in this conversation is one of the few guys who has been qualified on this roster before uh, to be an NBA starter, uh, and that is Gerald Henderson, who is still out uh, recovering from hip surgery in the offseason. What happens to this team when Hendo comes back? Does he become that third option? Does he start picking up the slack on scoring? Or could it go worse? Could it go could he actually disturb the ecosystem that we've developed with Damian Lillard and uh CJ McCollum and Tim Frazier in the backcourt? Yeah, uh Henderson's coming back. He is out the first game definitively, but he is coming back and I only see him as a deterrence for these other guys. I don't want him to get any minutes. The, I think his best situation for this Blazer team, or maybe our best situation with Gerald Henderson, is using him as trade fodder in some sort of bigger deal where he gets thrown on to make the deal work. I, the guy I actually look for that could be the X factor in this offense is Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb, cool breeze. I love Alan Crabb. You know, he might be starting tomorrow night against the New Orleans Pelicans. And, I mean, that's a small backcourt. If, if but. Al Farouk and or Mo Harkless are out tomorrow night, you're right. Alan Crabb's got the starting nod. And through the preseason and summer league before he got hurt, he was looking very dynamic. He looked like he could score, he can shoot, he can drive. He finally had that shot, though, I've been hearing about since he got drafted. Unfortunately, he plays that same sort of combo guard that you're looking at with Dame and CJ. It's going to be hard to use all those minutes on those three players. And especially if you're looking at to get all your scoring out of that combo guard spot, it's going to be really hard with three guards doing that. He did admirably last year playing the three spot, but you don't want to, you don't want to paint your uh, team into a corner that much. 
I mean, he got he got his time playing the three spot last year when Batum was out with various Batum ailments. Uh, this year, if he's if he's up, he's actually got to accept some responsibility, whether that's shouldering some offensive load, whether that's taking on tough defensive assignments. He's actually proven to be a decent defender, I think. Yeah, too. I think so, too. I think so, too. He's an understated character, and I like him a lot, actually. What do you think of his hair, though? Just quick stop. His what do you think of the whole Honey Badger thing, the afro? His hair the, game this year? Frosted really, up top? I'm... I'm not going to pass any judgment on what it looks okay, like. Okay, what is more right egregious, now. him or Myers Leonard hair with the bro flip like a SEC I don't even want to talk about Myers frat boy? Sort of. Let's go back to Wait, especially Alex like with his golden brown I tan, and it almost looks like it's going to be fake bacon, right? Holds for Alan Crabb's hair. I really look forward to what the rest of the season holds for Alan Crabb's hair. I really hope that he gets a red dye job at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm making a note now. We're going to have to come back to this. Yes. Yeah, we're going to. All right, we're going to Alan. Crab's hair. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's about it for points on the Blazers roster. What do you think of that roster as a whole? Do you think that's a good foundation? What do you, going with Dame here, how do you project this team? Is there hope there? How do you see it? I think it's a good foundation for the future, but it's really tough to see any real hope for this season. Yeah, totally. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to sound so depressing. Even as former division champs. <laughs> the it, last last season's division, division champs. champs of the Northwest Division. It's going to be tough to stay out of the basement of that division this year. Um, hey, speaking of that, let's do it. Let's talk about the NBA's Western Conference. A lot of strong teams got stronger this season. Tell me, Sam, Neil. What is your top five teams in the Western Conference? Who do you think? Uh, well, you know, you got to start off with Golden State. Uh, I think they're still at the top. And then, yeah, the Spurs, I think they made some good signings this year. I don't, 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 don't want to talk about it. I can't really remember it. who it was. Houston, uh, Ty Lawson, they look good. Clippers, Lance Stevenson, Paul Pierce, the truth. And then you got to say Memphis, right? Grindhouse. Welcome to the Grindhouse. You can't saying them over Oklahoma no City. No one wants huh? to play them. No one wants. Well, I would say Oklahoma City still got a question mark near them. Yeah, we'll come back to them. Who are your basement dwellers in the Western Conference? Well, it pleasures me to the end of the world that the Lakers. I can start with the Lakers with this question <laughs> because you know they talk so much trash about how good they are, but they're just terrible now, and I don't see it getting any brighter, any quicker, especially this year. Then I'd go Sacramento. I just see that team full of cancers and guys that need the ball and want to fight with each other. Minnesota, they're obviously going through some pretty stressful situations right now. That's not going to help. Rest in peace, Flip Saunders. Definitely. That's not going to help their team. Denver, I mean. Denver, I see. If if they even start off being remotely good this year, they're going to strip them down to the studs because there's not much to build on in Denver. And then I think the worst team is Utah. I just – I don't think they have the talent and everything working in the right direction yet. I actually like what they have in some parts. They've but got a lot of good pieces. I like a lot of the pieces that they I like got. a lot of the pieces, but I don't see a lot of those pieces fitting together. Confession but, time. Confession time. I personally wanted 
Rudy Gobert on the Blazers more than I wanted C.J. McCollum a couple years ago. But to take him that high in the draft back then would have been ludicrous. Doesn't look so ludicrous now, but still, C.J. is a good player. I'm glad we got him. Totally. Well, that leaves us with four teams left out of that mix at the top and the bottom. In our Western Conference. Dallas, Phoenix, New Orleans, and the team we're talking about, the Portland Trailblazers. How do you see that shaping out, especially for those last three playoff spots? Well, I think if there's any year that Phoenix has any kind of chance, it's this year. Tyson Chandler is getting older. He's up there, but he's still productive. He's shown that he can still produce, especially in a smaller, limited-minute sort of situation. They've got Alex Len in there, too, who's going to be kind of taking more of the reins on this year, uh, even though he'll be backing up Tyson Chandler. I think that uh, that they could be fairly strong. Dallas, I think a lot of people are underselling Dallas. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that uh, I think – They've got a real money ball shot here with Wesley Matthews. With they got JaVale McGee. If they can put together any kind of momentum to the beginning of their season, I think they'd surprise a lot of people. And I, I think they would they could cement themselves into the uh, playoffs by midseason. Well, you left out New Orleans Pelicans, who might have the MVP front runner. And Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. I mean, just a stud. Maybe Freak of nature. The just brow. Him and Dame Lord both got paid this offseason. I think both of them are in for a good year. But there's no doubt that Anthony Davis is atop the league in just potential. And just... I've been trying all summer to grow out a unibrow. <laughs> well, tell me this, Pete. Out of Dallas, Phoenix, and New Orleans, you choose, you choose two teams there. And, you know, throw in OKC because we forgot to leave them out because there's the question mark there is how is that going to fit? What happens after this year with KD? Does Inez Cantor fit with Steven Adams? Or how's that Not whole, at that price. I don't, I don't get that team. I don't get how it went from the top to the bottom <laughs> so fast. But you've got to pick three teams between OKC, Dallas, Phoenix, and New Orleans. Pick three. Oh, and Portland, of course. Well, Portland, obviously, uh, but again, I assume they're going to be at the top of the Western standings. <laughs> I think, I think Dallas and I think Dallas. I think it's a real royale between Dallas, uh, uh, OKC, and uh, New Orleans Pelicans. I think the Pelicans have a shot at being really good this year. They're still kind of a weird conceptual thing going on with them that I don't quite understand. I mean, they clearly are going forward with Anthony Davis playing more center. I mean, I'm sorry, playing more power forward uh, because they added a ton of centers this summer. But at the same time, they've also added plenty of good small ball power forwards. So I don't really get how their roster is going, but I guess when you've got a guy who literally every team on the planet wishes they had, uh, and his name's actually not LeBron James for a change, I guess you're sitting pretty good, and you can make all kind of conceptual uh, 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 experiments that you want. Totally. Uh, I, see, I see it the same. I think Oklahoma City's, you know, 
they had a chance to get in the playoffs last year with so many injuries. So I think they'll get in. I think Dallas is going to be bad. I think Phoenix is actually going to be bad, but I think Phoenix makes it in above Dallas, and I think New Orleans is a rising power out west. I would say the problem with New Orleans is with that sort of power, what did Tobey Maguire say in the Spider-Man movie, with that power comes great responsibility, right? So it's gonna, there's going to be a lot. like five Spider-Mans ago. Well, I'm not up to date, but there is going to be a lot of pressure on the coaching staff and on Anthony Davis's player to play at the same level that he plays at. And the expectations are at that Anthony Davis level. You saw it in the early LeBron days when that team didn't work out. He jumped ship. Could be the same thing in New Orleans. Could be a total meltdown. Could be a total meltdown with Phoenix because they missed out on your boy, Marcus Aldridge. The funny thing here is... I thought we weren't going to say that name on this (laughs) podcast. I just want to bring up one jinx that could come into effect this year. Dallas, remember, they were a front runner to get L.A. Uh, Phoenix tried desperately to get him, and the Spurs ended up getting them, right? There's a chance that all that he doesn't work with the Spurs, right? That he doesn't fit in that culture, doesn't fit in that offense. There's a chance that the hole left by him not coming to Phoenix kills Phoenix, right? Oh, Tyson yeah. Chandler doesn't have a score to play with. It just doesn't work. And he didn't go to Dallas. They got Wes Money, but he's hurt. They didn't get DeAndre Jordan. We know that. I mean, there could be a serious LaMarcus Aldridge jinx on all those teams right there. That's true. I kind of thought the same thing about Phoenix. I feel like Phoenix is one of those flash-in-the-pan teams that kind of like how Sacramento started off the season last year before uh, Boogie went down with uh, viral meningitis, and then for some reason they fired Mike Malone and the whole team went to hell. Uh but for a little a little while there, for like a, uh, the first few weeks of the of the season, they looked like they could have been one of the top teams in the Western Conference. I feel like that's what we're going to see out of the Phoenix Suns at the beginning of the year. And if they don't make a, a substantial trade by the deadline, I think they're going to crash and burn. And they're going to end up in the worst-case scenario of being one of those middling teams. I also didn't like the trade where they brought in Brandon Knight to play alongside Eric Bledsoe. I don't see those guys playing together well. We talked about Tyson not playing with LaMarcus this year. Um, You trade away one of the twins. Markeith Morris is evidently pissed off and doesn't want to play for the Suns anymore. I mean, which I love that. I actually love that uh, uh, Markeith Morris is acting like he's got like a lot of say. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't get the whole situation, but... The thing is, those four teams that we mentioned, or those three teams, four teams, have a problem where they could all blow up this year. Now, you throw Portland in that mix, they're on the other swing of that. They're kind of on the upshot from a really low spot. So that's a good position for us to be in in that sense. We've already blown up the team. We've already started this rebuilding project. So I'm guessing, Pete, what, I mean, what were we last year? Well, Sam... I don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Were we contenders? Are we now bums? Bums, no. But we are definitely a rebuilding team. If we want to be back in contention and rival those four teams, I think the only way we can do that in the near future is via trade. Ah, 
All right. This is something I wanted to ask. A big question. And I have a feeling we're going to be asking this probably every one of these podcasts we do uh, for the foreseeable future. But here's the question. Sam, what attainable NBA difference makers do you think the Blazers could be sniffing around this year? Well, it's kind of a loaded question because it feels like you could add literally anybody at any position to this team. Boogie! <laughs> and they definitely. And they could have an impact. I mean, you could you could get a number of different stars. They could just come to the team and they could have a spot. I would say the thing this team needs most is somebody that can score on the block and then somebody at the wing. I mean, how long when we were talking down when we were talking the roster breakdown, we were talking about the wings and we couldn't put our pen on any specific player. So I think we do need a player that can grow with Dame at the wing position and hold down a spot. I think that's an athletic guy, a guy that can defend because Dame. All right, you're boring me. Name some names. <laughs> well, okay, so at this guard position, I see guys that like maybe a possible DeMar DeRozan, just an athletic guy. Uh, they can Toronto. score, they can slash and score at the bucket, especially with a lot of shots from Dame coming at the point. I also like Terrence Jones and Harrison Barnes. I think when they came into the league, they were guards with Terrence Jones at Kentucky and Harrison Barnes at North Carolina. I think they were given a longer leash and allowed to do more things. And in the league, they're playing this weird stretch power forward position, which they kind of established by themselves. Um, I think if they were given a role like their college roles in the NBA, which we could definitely, as Blazers, could facilitate for them, I think they'd be great fits. Um, we also need a big man that can score on the block. I don't know. I mean, I guess I would maybe target a Rudy Gay. I think Sacramento has a real chance of just melting down this year. And I think we could use a guy like Rudy Gay at that scoring four position. I also think Philadelphia doesn't know what they're doing. So if we could target one of their bigs like Joel Embiid, I know it, it would hurt us to bring in a guy with foot issues, a center, a seven footer with foot issues into the Blazers again. (laughs) But He's an option. Nerlens Noel, I love a high-top fade. I love that high-top fade. So, I mean, he's got untapped potential. I don't know if he'll ever be a scorer, but I would definitely take his upside over Mason. And I don't know if it's close. What about you, Peter? Who do you like as an attainable player for the Blazers to Well, speaking to of high-top fades, the one guy that I have loved in the NBA for a few years now who I've always wanted in a Blazers jersey is Iman Shumpert. And I know that doesn't sound very groundbreaking, earth-shattering stuff, especially when you're talking about a guy who's out for the first part of the season uh, due to what – what does he have, a, 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 a shoulder thing? or I can't even remember. I'm that. not sure. No, I don't know. Maybe it was a rap battle gone wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Shumpert. I like the way Shumpert defends. I think he can be – an Awesome NBA three-point shooter if he gets in the right system. Can't and he's shoot, playing Pete. You can't along shoot. The right. You go back and look at him in the playoffs with the Knicks a few years ago. He was shooting like 42% from the three, and he was the only player on that Knicks squad that was worth a damn. Maybe he just forgot. Maybe it's not like riding a bike. <laughs> look, he's always been in playing in either the, the shadow of Amari and Kamar- or Carmelo or the shadow – or Lynn Sanity, I guess – or the shadow <laughs> – of LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love, the guys never had a chance to be on a team where there's just low expectations for the team in general 
but huge abundance of opportunity for him uh, as individually as a player. I feel like at on the Blazers, if you could put him in a in a in a in a situation where he's the starting two guard, he takes on that Wesley Matthews three and D role uh, in the starting lineup of the Blazers, and C.J. McCollum is the first guard off the bench, either spelling Dame first or Shump first, whoever needs to come off. I think that's a great rotation in our backcourt. Well, we both love a high top fade. I'll give you that. And uh, you know what I think this is rooted in? Do you remember an Adidas commercial with, I think it was a game style thing, with an Adidas commercial with Dame, Amon Shumpert, and Vaughn Miller? Wasn't, uh, wasn't, uh... Uh, wasn't what wasn't ASAP Ferg in that or something? I think so. Yeah, but anyway, but anyway, it was, it, was like, it was like a few years ago. <laughs> and Vaughn Miller came up to be this great, maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL right at, right at this moment. And Dame went on to get Rookie of the Year, dunk competition, you know, competitor, All Star appearance. Poor Mon Chumper really hasn't. Made, done much in that well, I think, commercial. I think Drew Holiday was in that commercial too. If it's the same one we're thinking about, so I don't think Shump is 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 quite as low uh, in in that. But you're right; he didn't really do a whole lot to uh, 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 separate himself uh, much from the pack. But I still think that guy's got. A, I think that guy's a load of untapped potential that has never really had a chance to. Uh, uh, play the game freely. I mean, in New York, there was a long time where they were trying to shoehorn him into the three spot just because they needed to play Carmelo at the four. Uh, in in Cleveland, they've got a glut of great players uh, in uh, in that roster, and a lot of those guys are going to demand the ball. He's not going to have a huge opportunity to be to take on any kind of focal point. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a shot. I, I would I would like him on this team, and I think he would definitely fill a role. I think that's one thing that we can facilitate is a role for anybody that we can get. I would trade Gerald Henderson and Chris Kamen. Wow, bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, Peter. Let's barring any trades, or maybe you know, take it into consideration in a forecast. But give me your prediction. Uh-huh. Give me your prediction for a Blazers win-loss record this season. I am going to aim. I'm going to aim for about 36 wins. I'm going to aim. For me, I think that's high for this team. 36 wins. What do you think? 36 wins. Uh, gosh, what made the playoffs last year? About. 45, 50, somewhere in there? In the West, it's got to be more like 50, I think. Okay, so I'll, I'll say... There's about 32 in the East. 50, 50, <laughs> wins, 50 wins makes the playoffs. I'll say the Blazers have 50 losses. They're the opposite spectrum. So 32 and 50. We got 32 and 50? Yep, that's my, that's my guess. All right. Closest without going over? Correct. What are we betting? Uh, well, we could go out to one of our local establishments, maybe Wild Horse. Oh, I was just noticing a, a uh, article in the uh, Oregonian. It was published yesterday, and the uh, headline for it 
was best sports bars outside of Portland to watch the Trailblazers games. And it was an interesting article, I thought, because while it mentions a bunch of bars all over the place, the only place out this way that it mentions is Wild Horse Resort and Casino, who's, by the way, a sponsor of the Trailblazers. Well, I think we can both say that, you know, Comcast just does a top-notch job, top-notch job in providing us with Blazer games on our television sets. Am I right, Pete? You know, I can't remember the last time I went out on the town and tried to watch a Blazers game somewhere and got denied. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. All right, we're running out of time here. Let's just get on with this season opener. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, in Portland at the Rose Garden. It's the Portland Trail Blazers versus the... Bayou Pelicans. <laughs> Love that. Uh, it should give be, us your give us your take. Should be a good game. Uh, we talked about the injuries for the Blazers at the wing position. I don't think it's much of a loss going up against this Pelican team and their wings. Um, I will say the Pelicans are playing tonight. Um, so against the Warriors, no less. So they could, and it's the late game of the evening. So they could be a little tired. Coming into Portland on the back-to-back, I still don't feel very confident, but I'm willing to take the Blazers with a win at home for the season opener. That's a bold statement, especially against a team that features who we already talked about. It might be the MVP frontrunner this season if he leads in every statistical category, plus a few he made up, Anthony Davis. Uh, but, you know, you did bring up a good point, too, that uh, they are playing tonight. In fact, they are still playing. It, there's 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter against the Warriors, and it is 111.95 Warriors. So it looks like the Pelicans opening night has gone a little sour. Yeah, maybe they got a little more rest there in the fourth quarter than... Than we would have liked. <laughs> but I'm still taking the win for the Blazers. Um, should be a good game. You can check your local Comcast affiliate for the game. Check your local Comcast Sportsnet affiliate. They'll have they it for you wherever job. you are. Um, they do a really great Comcast job out here. Thanks, Comcast, for your great support of this Blazer team. Anyway, that about wraps it up for how much time we've got left here. Thank you very much for listening to this inaugural episode of Letter Rip, the East Oregonians Blazers podcast. Also, Tim Trainer and the East Oregonian for putting us up here and letting us talk Blazers. We're looking to do this probably once a month, maybe a little more often if things start getting exciting. And maybe a little less if things really take a nosedive. <laughs> well, only time will tell. So, thank you for listening. Tune back in again. Uh, Join us right back here on the Eastern Oregonians website. I'm Peter Walters. And I'm Sam Neill. Go Blazers. Let her rip.